0: Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TixSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TixSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Haltech Hall. Good evening, Mr. Haltech. How are you, sir?
1: Double A, good evening. Uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, we've got COVID. We've got opt-outs. We've got uh, quarterback, uh, uh, the, the, the quarterback battle that's going to start taking place here any day now. And uh, and then the second half of the show in our history segment the last of the, the Bears' jerseys that have been retired is none other than number 89, Mike Ditka. So, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Iron Mike uh, in the second half of our show. But to start the, the first half of our show, uh, we are absolutely thrilled to bring back a friend of our, uh, the Halitech Hall show, from sportsmockery.com, the one and only Eric. Lambert, good evening, Eric. How are you tonight?
2: I'm good, guys. How are you doing?
1: How was that for an introduction? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm always for it. Awesome. So, uh uh Eric, uh, you know, the I guess the biggest news is uh we had a, a meet the press presser with Nagy and um and, and Pace. So, why don't you uh Uh, Start us off and and throw out some notes you took during the presser and and, uh, what they discussed, because I worked all day and I didn't have a chance to listen to the presser.
2: Well, it, it was a long one. It's one of the longest I can I can remember. I believe it went over 80 minutes. So, you know, there was a lot to absorb. Um, You know, they talked initially about the COVID prevention procedures, what they're going to go through in terms of if and when they find somebody who's positive, how they isolate them and how they sort of trace you know who they might have been in contact with. I mean, the technology, the technology that's going into this is actually really impressive. So I'm interested to hear more about that. And uh, the Bears seem really confident in it, and they believe that you know there's always more risk of players opting out, but because of the extended procedures that they've implemented they feel that they've they're going to gain the players confidence as they come in to report for training camp so you know that's something that's encouraging you know they also addressed Eddie Goldman the fact that he opted out and you know it it didn't really catch them by surprise he informed them ahead of time before it went public and they fully support him in that decision you know it's unfortunate because he's such a big part of the defense but they also understand because of the risk factors not be, not just because he's a bigger guy and bigger guys are more at risk, but because he a- actually has a health history that would make him a higher risk as well. So, you know, there are a bunch of factors that go into that. And then a lot of the conversations were also about, you know, obviously the quarterback battle with Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, how, how they're going to implement this with no preseason, no know, mini camps, no OTAs. And, you know, it's just a total mess that Matt Nagy has to navigate because of this whole COVID thing. So, you know, they really addressed a lot of things, you know, in, in a lot of time. So, it was a lot to sift through.
1: So let's focus on what they discussed with the with the quarterback situation. It's it's got to be uh, let's just say interesting. It's perplexing to uh, to have to go through a quarterback competition with no OTAs, no mini camps. They're going to bust right into it, and they can't do anything for a couple of weeks, just except for strength and conditioning, right?
2: That's correct. They can do walkthroughs as well, but the pads aren't going to go on until around August 17th. That's the deadline that most people believe is, you know, the set one. So it's still going to be a few weeks before they really start to get into heavy contact, live tackling. Matt Nagy says they're going to have have to have a physical training camp because of no preseason. So they're going to have to get the guys calloused in practice. So that's one way they're going to do it. And in in regards to this uh, quarterback competition, You know, every snap, every every rep they do is going to be of increased importance because they're going to have to monitor how the guys break the huddle, how they command the huddle, how the how they are at the line of scrimmage, making adjustments and each and every throw. Are they accurate? Are they on time? All of that stuff. So the coaches are going to have to be on their toes and really get creative with these drills in order to give these guys as many fair reps as they can.
1: We had uh, a gentleman on the show uh, a few episodes episodes ago. Uh, he does Phase Sports uh, Bears Talk on Twitter. His, his name is on Karashi, and he spent a lot of time discussing this uh, uh, sports facility that's up in the Lake Forest area uh, that that Mitch spent a lot of time with and some imbalances in his throwing shoulder. Uh, it seems like that, according to the reports, that cleared up, and, I, and that will hope, help lead to increased accuracy. Obviously, we've seen all of the videos with him working with the receivers. The last one out was uh, on Instagram with Anthony Miller, and uh, Jeff Christensen has been working with him throughout all of these workouts. Uh, so if, if anything, Mitch is taking this pretty seriously.
2: Oh, without question, he's taking it seriously as well. He should, because, you know, his livelihood in this league is on the line. You know, his chances of getting that big payday next year, you know, if he doesn't deliver this year, he's never going to get it. The odds of it are decidedly against him. So he's putting in all the work that's humanly possible. And that's exactly what the Bears were hoping for. They want him to be on edge. They want him to be on his toes. They want him to eat, sleep and drink football. This is where they wanted him. So that first hurdle has been cleared. In regards to the shoulder, it's actually a pretty fascinating thing. I didn't know about this stuff until I started reading up on it too. Um, basically quarterbacks can have a tendency of shoulder balance issues in where their front shoulder muscles are much bigger and stronger than their back shoulder muscles, especially if they're rehabbing from injuries and this, and this balance issue can lead to a little too much power in their forward momentum, which, which can lead to overthrows and overthrows, which has been a big problem with Mitch, as we well know. And so this was actually a problem that uh, happened to Drew Brees, and he didn't even realize it until he started talking to sports doctors with, you know, some expertise in that area. And once he started to fix it, his accuracy really started to improve. And that's sort of the hope that's going to help Mitch as well, in addition to, you know, fixing up his, you know, constant footwork problems that he's had ever since he was a rookie. So if he can get those two areas cleaned up, you know, you sort of have some hope that his accuracy issues will clean up as well.
1: Aaron, what do you have to add for this? Well, I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, one of
0: the reporters asked Nagy about the off-season work that Mitch has been doing, and. Um, He he sort of dodged it a little bit. I mean, I think he he didn't want to go too into specifics. You know, he said that they're aware of the work that they're doing, um, but he sort of said that, you know, it's really the position coaches who are uh, doing the one on one, um, you know, sort of communication with the two quarterbacks, Um, you know, and he and he, you know, mentioned uh, the, the reporter mentioned that, you know, about working with Christensen, uh, they didn't obviously mention the rehab or anything like that. Um, but, you know, Nagy said, you know, that uh, that Mitch will have uh, a bit of an advantage, um, you know, because he has been working with the receivers and, um, you know, getting the timing down, uh, but that Foles would come along, um, you know, rather quickly, as as he's wanted to do, but I thought it was also interesting that uh, Nagy <clears throat> seems to be putting squarely uh, the responsibility on DeFlippo and Lazer, and of course Ragone, who's, who's been there with Mitch uh, since the beginning, um, you know, to sort of get this this in place and kind of figure out what the, you know, what the, the competition or the, the stakes or the different plays or the things that they're going to install to judge these guys on um, is is going to be. So, you know, I, I think it remains to be seen what the value of working with Christensen will be. But, you know, it's certainly no doubt that, um, you know, that, that Mitch is working hard and, and that's never been an issue um, as far as I'm concerned. But, but Eric, you had an article uh, this past week um, that contained, I thought, some pretty kind of damning uh, stuff on Mitch where, um, you know, one of the one of the defensive coaches that uh, that goes against him, you know, said he doesn't see any elite traits and doesn't or Trubisky doesn't have a great arm, you know, and he and basically that Mitch doesn't have any sort of X-man ability. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that article?
2: Absolutely. Um Basically what he was saying was while he while Mitch is good in a number of areas his mobility, he's got a decent enough arm, he's got decent enough size, there's really no elite trait about him and the one thing that really stuck out to the defensive coach was how easy Mitch could be at times to fool with, you know, disguised coverages, delayed blitzes, all that sort of stuff. He said that they fooled him actually a couple of times in the game they played against him. And this has been something that people have really been on Mitch about his inability to, you know, identify the line of scrimmage and adjust too many times. He's been caught off guard. He's held the ball and he's ended up getting sacked or, you know, throwing an interception in some really bad spots because he didn't see the field properly. And so you know, when a defensive coach who's going against him says something like that, there's really no way you can argue it because he's just giving you the matter-of-fact stuff. You know, there's no bias involved, and that's what really is concerning because you have the hope that Mitch is sort of trying to, you know, come along and figure that sort of stuff out, but the fact that he he went through his third year and they're saying that sort of stuff about him, you start to wonder is he ever going to figure it out. And so when you hear stuff like that, it's no wonder the Bears went out and got Foles, who has a history of being able to read defense as well and sort of you know adjust to where he needs to go with the football. Even though sometimes you know his lack of mobility and stuff can get him in trouble, but that's one of the big reasons they got Foles. They wanted him to challenge Mitch in the one area that Mitch has been weak, which is you know at the line of scrimmage, reading defenses and reading coverages. So that's what that's what. Going to make this competition so interesting. And another thing
0: that I thought got a lot of reaction, at least on Twitter and among some of the beat reporters who were on the Zoom call, was Pace. Uh, saying that the quarterback decision would be a collaboration. And and I don't know that he was really specific, but it seemed to imply that he was going to be involved in this, which I don't think should come as a surprise, but it's people have sort of run with this idea that it's just Nagy's decision, um, which Pace sort of created by saying that earlier in the year, but now it's kind of muddied the waters a little bit. And a lot of people, you know, who are, want to sort of run with things on twitter and now speculating that you know that pace has is uh, more involved in this decision and of course you know that leads you to believe that uh you know he might lean towards mitch because certainly uh the the outcome of that pick it, you know has a great deal to do with uh you know
2: pace's overall success did you make anything of that You know, I don't think you should read too much into it because, at the end of the day, I do believe it's going to be primarily Nagy's decision. But the fact that, but, but when you look at pace and he does, it's hard not to feel like he does have some bias in this decision-making process. Maybe not on purpose, but still, he's always loved Mitch. He's offered support for him at every turn. He drafted him. He, you know, he gave up three additional draft picks to get him. If he can, you know, he's still he- probably holding out hope that if Mitch can just turn the corner, and he wants to see the guy that he always envisioned when he drafted him, so it's hard not to feel like he might try. And as you say, muddy the waters with the decision process if it's close between Foles and Mitch, that he might try to nudge Nagy the way of Mitch, just because he has that bias, and people are fearful of that because because Pace's track record with you know, picking quarterbacks, not just in the draft, but in free agency and all that hasn't exactly been stellar. So they would prefer that they just, he just leaves the decision up to the guy who has been a quarterback, who has coached quarterbacks and has that expertise in Nagy. So that's where all this fear is coming from.
1: Interesting. When, when you put this article up on Twitter, I actually chimed in and and you sent me a reply uh, and you politely disagreed with, with my view and, for For our listeners, this is what I said. I said, it, it's it was hard for Mitch to get past his first read because of all the pressure he had. and 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 you you politely disagreed with me, and and that's what makes Twitter so great and makes <laughs> friendship so great that you find on Twitter that you can actually have conversations and agree to disagree and then and then move on. Uh, but I think that that part of Mitch's problem last year, well, we we all know that the the run blocking was horrific. Uh, yeah, they, they led the league with almost ten missed blocks per game. Uh, but uh, you know there were also some problems with pass protections, and I, and I think that in addition to to Mitch's lack of accuracy, and hopefully we can take it back to this this shoulder imbalance and let's face it he suffered two shoulder injuries in consecutive years so he did yeah, nothing but they were but to the non-throwing
0: had. shoulder though i can't oh, we can't okay. We can't put the throws on those injuries
1: yes you can because mm-hmm. if he's in pain if he's in pain and and that's what a lot of people said if he's in pain it's hard to concentrate even though your your throwing shoulder is at least last year was the one that wasn't affected, wasn't his shoulder? It was his it was his throwing shoulder in 2018. In 2018, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously the 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 defensive coach is unnamed in in this article, and and I I don't know if that was out of respect or if it was an anonymous tip, but it, you know, I I will go back to what I said earlier. Uh, I think, and and I didn't say this in my reply to you on Twitter, Eric, but I think that that Mitch uh, suffered a huge lack of confidence last year because of the situations that happened with the lack of of blocking, not only in the run game, but let's even go back to one of his best games last year, which was the game in Washington. He threw an interception in the red zone. uh, And uh, that interception... Was caused specifically by Kyle Long being in his lap when he released the ball. That's how little time he had, and it was a three-step drop. And, and Kyle Long was in his lap because he he just got bowled over by the defender. So, you know, it's kind of like you know the the cart before the horse or vice versa. Did this lack of confidence create the problems last year and he literally saw things that he he thought he saw things that really weren't there which was what caused him to hold on to the ball listen i'm
2: not gonna you know make excuses for the offensive line they weren't good last year their run blocking was absolutely awful and well deserving of the criticism it got but i saw a lot of instances where they actually put up decent protection and in those instances mitch had a bad tendency to either to either miss his target or get there too late, which has been a consistent problem, or he held on to the ball too long and started to move around to see if he could find, you know, a guy that he should have found earlier on. So, you know, it's one of those things where it was sort of both parties, you know, simultaneously making their own mistakes. But I do believe the offensive line's pass protection, while not great at all was better than it's, you know, been, you know, criticized for that being said, you know, I do believe Mitch suffered from confidence issues last year. And I think it started even before the Washington game. I I think it started with the green Bay game. I think he went into that game with high expectations. Like this is my second year in the offense. You know, I beat this team at soldier field last year. You know, this is going to be our year. And then he puts up three points and has a horrible game. And that, that really set the tone for the season. I don't think he really ever truly recovered from that game because that that really was a confidence shaker. So, you know, I think that just, that just sort of, it took him a while to sort of get out of that funk. I think he started to sort of sort of come out of it a little later in the season against Dallas, against Detroit on Thanksgiving, he started to play better and he started to play with more confidence, but you know, that first half of the season, it was rough. He, he wasn't playing aggressive. He wasn't playing like the guy we saw last the, the season before that. So you know, I absolutely agree with you that there were confidence issues there and it affected his entire play.
1: Absolutely. Let's go back to, uh, to the COVID opt out. Obviously, uh, Eddie Goldman is so far the only bear to opt out. And hopefully with these new, with these safety protocols that, that pace talked about in, in today's press conference, hopefully he'll be the only one, but, but you never know, but, uh, there's there's been several uh, specifically on the Brady-less uh, Patriots. It seems like uh, nobody <laughs> wants to nobody wants to uh, nobody wants to uh, uh, you know sit in and be uh, coached by, by Bill Belichick the tyrant now that Brady's not there. But uh, and people but think
2: Belichick is actually telling him telling them to opt out you know, on purpose so they can get a higher draft pick and get a quarterback. I love the conspiracy theories that are flying everywhere because of this stuff.
1: Yeah. There's, but there's, what, been some 20 uh, NFL players that have opted out so far?
2: Give or take, yeah, that sounds about right. And it's probably going to go up before the deadline, which is now August 5th. But I think that's going to get extended further until the deals actually signed. They're getting close, but it, it still hasn't been signed yet
0: well what's interesting too and you mentioned this eric but that it is uh seems to be a a theme that it is the larger players who are opting out and you know of course it's been reported that they are uh at higher risk um you know uh, i think one of the bigger ones uh was uh, nate Solder of the giants and certainly he has a a child that had cancer and a, and a newborn and other extenuating circumstances, but it does seem to be a, a, a theme so far that a lot of these players are the, the defensive linemen, offensive linemen. Um, what do you make of, of that? You know, that's that's being talked about. You know, with the, the larger players being more susceptible or higher risk or whatnot.
2: Well, most people think it's because of previous medical issues and whether or not they had children recently. And those are factors. Don't, don't get that twisted They They are definitely weighing in those decisions, but also you have to remember offensive and defensive linemen are going to have by far the most physical contact between right. each other during the season. And obviously physical contact can lead to, you know, spreading of a virus like COVID. So obviously that, you know, makes you even more nervous about going through something like that. And then you throw the medical issues, the babies and all that on top of it. Yeah. You know, you, you start to, you know, second guess really, should I be doing this? So that that's probably the biggest reason a lot of these offensive and defensive linemen are doing this because they don't really trust that even, even with the preventive procedures, there's still, when we're going to be, you know, banging against each other constantly and be in physical contact like that, the odds of, you know, contracting the virus, That might have been missed is still there. So, you know, that's what's making a lot of these guys so nervous.
0: Have you heard anything about what these face masks are going to be? Because Andre Tucker talked about on the call briefly uh, on the Zoom call today that there would be face masks, but they'd be optional and that they could not be mandated, but they are going to have some sort of shield Dev, um, you seen, I know that there was like a, some pictures circulated of some concepts, but have you, have you heard anything else about what these actually might be? Uh,
2: basically, uh, you know, the way I, I've seen or heard it in terms of concepts, at least, is there going to be sort of glass shields that go over where the face mask would be. It's sort mm-hmm. of going to be molded over the face mask. Okay. This way, it sort of blocks it like an actual mask you would wear in public. Right. Now it It is optional, but the bears have made sure to tell to really urge players to consider wearing them because it will help, you know right. in the preventative procedure of not contracting the virus because you know masks decrease the the likelihood of contracting it through the air or you know in close proximity to other people by seventy percent. So you know it matters. Right. And when you're huffing and puffing, you know, constantly running around and heavy heavy breathing, you know, those odds go up because, you know, you're, you're giving out so much air. So obviously the face masks would help in that regard. So this is why you can't really mandate it because you can't force guys to, to wear something they don't want to wear, but they're going to urge guys to really, really consider it because it will help them.
0: Yeah. I think they've talked about that in in hockey too. We'll have to see if anybody wears it in hockey, but I've heard people pretty doubtful that hockey players would wear uh, a full face mask.
1: I've seen oh, guys are, some pictures.
2: guys are just different, different than hockey. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's true. I've seen some pictures where it looks like you know, you you have the the, the face shields that cover of the eyes um, that uh, a lot of players are are wearing now. And then there's a, like a second shield uh, that goes. I don't know if it's on the outside or the inside of the face mask. Uh, and there's a, even some models that even have some ventilation to allow for easier breathing, but still restricts a lot of the moisture coming, you know, from from the outside. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. We've got uh, we've got Eddie Goldman on the opt-out list. We now have two players uh, on the uh, the reserve COVID list. Uh, the first one was uh, uh, rookie running our back. Yeah, Tavis, Tavis Pierce, and then earlier today, uh, Eric Saubert was also put on that list. So the uh, question I have for you, Eric, uh, with those two players on the reserve COVID list, do are they now off of the, the roster to get to 80? I would believe, I believe that they would be.
2: Yes, I believe they do count against the uh, 80. So there's only a few more moves that the Bears have to make. Uh, I think they are now quarantined basically for about two weeks, and then they're going to have to get two negative tests in regards to the COVID thing in order to be able to resume activities with the team.
1: So with Goldman, Saubert, and Pierce out, uh, I believe we'd already counted Pierce Um, I think they only have two or three moves left to get to 80, but the big move, uh, happened earlier in the week when they, uh, they were able to trade, uh, a a former tight end, uh, uh, that uh, we love to talk about on this show. Uh, but none other than Adam Sheen and and Eric, I got to tell you, uh, Everybody in the world knew that Adam Adam Shaheen was not going to make this roster. For them to even get a seventh round, and hopefully it'll be a conditional sixth round pick, I think was a hell of a job by Pace.
2: I agree. You know, you know, under the circumstances, Pace accepted the fact that Shaheen was a bust. You know. Keep in mind, he traded back twice before drafting Shaheen, so it wasn't like he, you know, moved up to get him. While you still missed under the circumstances to get, you know, a pick back for him, even now, considering the fact what people have seen with the injuries and the lack of production is actually pretty impressive. It must have been one heck of a sales job. So, you know, to get something back for him is is definitely helpful, and it's going to sort of add to their coffers in the 2021 draft. And if they do end up with that pick, I believe if they get their compensatory picks, that'll push them to 10. So, you know, they're going to have plenty of flexibility next year.
0: Now, is the, do you know what the condition is? Is it just that he makes the roster for the
2: for the Dolphins, or is there more to it? Well, you know, obviously making the roster is going to be one of the conditions. The question uh-huh. is, is there an additional condition, like, you uh-huh. know, a certain amount of production, a certain amount of games played? There's just not not a lot known about those uh-huh. conditions, and we probably won't learn them until – the end of the season so unfortunately we're kind of in the dark on that
0: well the dolphins are pretty thin at tight end so they've already got him as third on their depth chart because um, really after Guy seki they really don't have anybody uh, of note so he i think he has a decent chance of making the roster if he just stays healthy which is a big if yeah. Um, but for sure, I thought it was, you know, good. And and shout out to Clancy Barone for um, what I have to assume had to have been a, an acting job saying that he had a, <laughs> a, a plan for Shaheen in the offense. Um, you know, it just goes to show you that those first uh, press conferences where, you know, Pace says, uh, you know, Mitch is our quarterback and this, that, and the other, it's like everything at that point is just all smoke and mirrors. And they're trying to, you know, make all their players seem as valuable as possible. And, you know, and uh, people always want the the pace to like throw people under the bus or naggy to say this or that. And it's like, it's not going to happen there. There's no, there's no competitive uh, advantage to that, you know? So, um, I mean, yeah, you know, unfortunately a bad pick, um, but at least he's gone and we don't have to think about him a- anymore uh, and watch him fall down and get hurt. And, uh, you know, th- th- no more baby Gronks uh, allowed on our on our team.
1: Oh, God, we 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 better never hear the phrase baby Gronk ever uh, <laughs> coming coming out of of anybody in the press or, or, or Bears Twitter. So yeah. when it comes to you know when it comes to the to the story of tight ends, I guess you could sum it up by saying, and then there were six because that's there's there's only out of all the the, the hassles that that Bears and Pace had during the preseason, they've got eleven tight ends on their roster. Oh my God, what are they doing? When you consider that uh, that J P Holtz is probably going to make the team. Uh, by way of being also in the lineup as a fullback, uh, there's only six tight ends left on the roster, guys, because in addition to Shaheen getting shuffled off to, to Miami, they also cut Ben Bronicker earlier this week. So there's only six tight ends left. So you've got Darian Clark, who I know nothing about. He's a rookie out of University of, of USC Southern Cal. Of course, you got Jimmy Graham, you got Demetrius Harris, you got J.P. Holtz, you got Cole Komet, and you got Jesper Horsted, and probably five of those guys make the roster.
2: Right now, I believe it's going to be about four because I think they're going to need some help at other positions. I could see five with Horstead being the fifth one, but right now I see Harris, I see Graham, I see Komet, and I see Holtz being the sort of hybrid tight end fullback that they sort of had last year. So that's the way I have it, but I could see them keeping Horstead depending on how the other positions shake out.
0: Well, that was probably my favorite part of the presser today was when Nagy gave Adam Johns the business um, when he <laughs> asked about the upgrades at the tight end room. And he said, well, yeah, I, I know that you wrote that we had 17. So we got down to three or four for you. So you don't have to write that anymore about <laughs> us. And Johns looked like he wanted to t- turn his camera off <laughs>
2: after that. I heard he <laughs> I was just talked about it on his podcast. Yeah.
1: Yeah, was and I'll co- tell you what, that criticism was well-deserved.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, but well, we've seen yeah. this is the way that Nagy and Pace, I mean, they, when they, you know, we've seen this is the way they do it. I mean, if they have needed a position, it's like, you know, put out a casting call, basically, for, for yeah. anybody and everybody. And, and, you know, I mean, you could criticize it if you want, but... It, at least they know what they need. And, and I would say that that's probably the best part about this past draft was that it seemed like everything, all of the bears people were and fans and Twitter and everything were saying that the bears needed. It seemed like Maggie and pace knew that and they went out and got all those things. So, I mean, you can argue about whether or not they made the right choices, but you know, at least it's not like we're sitting here going, oh, they really needed this, and they didn't get it. And it's like, well, you know, they really did address pretty much everything everybody wanted. Um, So, you know, we'll just have to see if it works out.
2: And that's usually how it goes. You know, the the worst thing is if a team, you know, didn't address a certain thing, you can point to the Packers not getting a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers, which they didn't. And now you see Devin Funches, the guy they picked up in free agency, opt out. And now, you know, you're looking even more like idiots for not at least grabbing a receiver later on in the draft. It's one of those things. And that's one thing I've definitely always appreciated about Pace. He always tries to cover all of his bases every offseason. Did I get everything? Did I, did I address everything I possibly could with the resources I had? And he usually does. He never leaves any stone unturned in regards to trying to upgrade his roster. Sometimes he makes mistakes, as we well documented, but he's also made a lot of, you know, n- a lot of hits too. So he's kind of up and down, but he's, you know, had enough successes to put this team in position to at least be competitive. And that's what his job is. So, you know, I I believe he did some good work this off season. You know, there were some different choices I would have made, but that's me. Obviously it's my own personal opinion and, you know, considering what they got, I like where they're positioned.
0: Do you think they'll really make an aggressive move to replace Goldman uh, do you think they're going to let them spend the money? I mean, I know they're going to get a little, maybe $4 million in cap relief. Um, but do you think they'll, you know, because people are talking about uh, Damon Snacks Harrison or Jarell Jernigan or, uh, you know, there's some guys out there. Um, but they've also, I've heard some people saying maybe they'll just play more four man fronts and it'll be Abdullah Anderson or. Um, you know, just more Nichols and Roy Rob and all those guys on, you know, on the field, do you think they're going to really look to replace Goldman?
2: I think they're going to definitely consider it. It it all depends on, you know, what's available to them and how much it'll cost because obviously you don't want to spend too much because, you know the cap next year is probably going to take a significant dive, so you got to be careful about your spending. Now, if you can get a guy like Snacks Harrison at a you know a fair price, you absolutely should go get him because he's still one of the best run defenders in the league, and he'd be a great fit at nose tackle for the Bears and would really fill that void. But I also think Pace is going to be patient and actually see if there's any players that other team teams end up cutting or maybe make available for a cheap trade that he could sort of add into that mix and give them a good run defender in the middle. So they don't have to spend too much because, you know, he's actually found some decent talent that way in the past in regards to, you know, combing the waiver wire, or maybe picking up a free agent late. So, you know, I, I believe he's, he's going to be patient about this because, you know, obviously snacks hasn't signed yet. So he doesn't seem to be in a big hurry, So I don't think Pace is feeling the pressure in regards to making a move immediately, but I do believe at some point, he's probably going to end up making one.
1: You made a great point with Pace this year. He had terrible limited resources in not only in cap space, but draft capital, but he damn near addressed every single position on this team with the exception of punter. And running back you know they signed a couple of uh, undrafted free agents and one of them is now on the covid list so they only have four running backs going into camp uh, of course you've got you've got Montgomery and you've got Cohen you also have Cordero Patterson who can fill in at running back uh, but that leaves the third running back to either Ryan all or Napoleon Maxwell and uh, you know there's there's a lot of thought in in, in and around Bears Twitter that Nal's going to be the guy. Well, as of right now,
2: it's hard not to see it that way unless, well, be, because of the preseason. You know, you think about it, that's usually when guys like Napoleon Maxwell or Pierce usually are able to get some reps and shine in a game and show the coaches that, hey, we might actually have something here. And Nagy actually mentioned that. He said that because of the the lack of ability to get these guys reps in the preseason and whatnot, we're probably going to end up cutting some of bubb- it, cutting somebody we shouldn't cut. And that's just the nature of this offseason and the and the way it's going. It's not just going to be the Bears, it's going to be every team and you know this is one of the unfortunate consequences. Now, obviously in all case it's a, it's a great, you know, stroke of luck because now he has to be a favorite because he already knows the system, he has some experience and he brings something a little different to the table than other guys. So, you know, yeah, you have to look at him as a favorite, but also remember, you know, running back actually isn't a hard position to fill in regards to free agency and whatnot you can usually find you know a decent guy even late into the process I believe uh who was it was it the Rams who who signed Anderson a a year or two ago and he ended up being a big contributor for for them even though he didn't play for like half the season so that it, it really can be like that a guy can step in and you know contribute right away even if he might not have full knowledge of the offense because that's just the nature of the position so I think the Bears aren't really feeling hard pressed if they have to they feel they can probably find somebody decent on the market and sort of you know you know bolster that position if they have to
1: yeah well, it was a just, great point so
0: i was just going to say uh hub hubartish pressed uh pace a little on the running back room and and pace uh, probably for the second time this offseason in limited speaking you know engagements has has mentioned you know he's happy with the running back room and he mentioned Ryan Nall um again so I think what you say is absolutely true that Nall's familiarity with the offense is gonna is gonna trump a lot unless they really are able to pick up somebody who's just got you know an amazing amount of uh, of talent um you know or some kind of steal or something like that but uh, you know I think uh I think he's probably going to be the guy. I I had high hopes for Octavius Pierce, um, which I guess he could still come back. But, um, you know, just because he looked like a a guy that had some good tape. But, um, but yeah, it looks like it's going to be null. um, You know, I don't know how many carries he's going to get. We're hoping that, uh, you know, David Montgomery, I think every Bears fan is hoping Montgomery gets about
2: 275 carries uh, this year and we can see what he does. (laughs) Well, Montgomery is definitely a stud, a stud, in my opinion. You know, I think he's going to have a good year if he gets the blocking, which is why they hired Juan Castillo. So right. I can understand, you know, you know, their confidence in him. And then you have Cohen, who's a great change of pace kind of guy. If you can get him some blocking, he can give you some big plays. So they like their one 2 punch. So after them, it's just kind of a depth concern. And, you know, null's is as good as the next in terms of, you know, what they have. And I think Pierce will probably end up on the practice squad, which is actually going to be expanded this year don't forget to like 16 players so they could end up adding a couple of guys onto that and then just you know elevate them if necessary so they have some flexibility in that regard
1: I've heard uh, rumors of that practice squad being anywhere from 15 to 16 to 20 players and I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody knows for sure exactly how many players are going to be on that practice squad Uh, you know You've got in baseball, you've got this pool of 60 players, including your active 24 that are, I believe, 30 right now. And I, no, it's going to cut like next week they'll cut to 28, and then that they'll go to 26, and they'll stay at 26. But you still have this pool of 60 players in case a, a Miami Marlins epidemic happens and uh, you lose half your team to to, to COVID. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about running back situations and where you can make or break. And and that's in preseason. So, and Eric, I I don't know how old you are. I don't know how long you've been covering the Bears. And I know Aaron, uh, you know, he just was an infant when the Bears won the Super Bowl back in 1985. (laughs) But there was a young kid. <laughs> I was seven that, years uh, old, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was born. Oh, okay. So, all right, so I'm going to th- throw a name at both of you. Um, and he made his mark in the preseason by returning a punt for a touchdown uh, in, 19, in the preseason of 1982, and it was none other than Dennis Gentry. And you didn't know anything about that guy until he returned that punt for a touchdown. And that pretty much cemented his spot on the roster uh, going forward. And he, you know, he played some great years for the Bears. I mean, he wasn't uh, obviously a, a Hall of Fame running back, you know, but he, at 5'8", 181 pounds, he was quick. He had that, that quick twitch that people loved, played a lot of special teams, and he played a lot of reserve running back for the Bears. We're talking with Eric Lambert from sportsmockery.com. The biggest question on the agenda now, Eric, is this. Who's going to start for the Bears under center come September?
2: It's it's a really tough question because of the crazy nature of this offseason, but the way I look at it right now is you really have to give the edge to Trubisky if only because... He's been able to put in more work with his guys. He knows this specific offense more than Foles does. Foles is coming in a little bit cold. He doesn't have connections with his guys. And now you throw in the fact that there's no preseason, so he can't get as many live reps. I think unless Trubisky completely, you know, craps the bed in practices, which is always possible. I'm not going to deny that, especially against this defense, but All Trubisky has to do is basically put it in cruise control and not completely suck. And I think he's going to get the nod, you know, come September in Detroit to see if maybe he can, you know, make, make one more go of it. So that's the way I'm leaning right now.
1: I know Aaron's full is firmly in the, uh, foals camp. Uh, we've talked about it on many episodes on the show. Uh, and I agree with you, Eric. I think that, uh, you know, come, uh, Starting Sunday uh, against, um, I can't remember who they're. Detroit. Right. Uh, yeah. I just, I just think, I just think that it's going to be Trubisky, and and it will be his job to lose, uh, and hopefully we can all sit here in December saying, what a hell of a job Trubisky did this year. So I, for one, am all for it. Um, last thing on the agenda, and this is a little bit of a curveball for you, but it just popped up um, yesterday. Uh, kind of flew under the, the radar with the Bears reporting to camp and the COVID, and the the, the you know in the the sports world with the Marlins uh, losing a week of games because half of their roster came down with the virus, and rumor has it that three three guys who. Had tested positive, were actually on the field after a positive (laughs) test, which um, I find to be absolutely befuddling. Uh, But Happy Hank is back in town. Uh, For those listeners who are a little bit too young, uh, I'm referring to Henry Burris, who had a cup of coffee with the Bears as quarterback. Uh, He actually was uh, uh, signed uh, after Mm -hmm. Green Bay waived him. And uh, and then he ended up having a very fine, if not Hall of Fame, career. Dare I say, up in the Canadian Football League. Uh, but uh, not not only not only uh, Happy Hank Henry Burris, but uh, former Bears player John Timu, uh, were have landed uh, diversity coaching positions with the Bears organization. I think it's a great move.
2: Oh, without question. And, you know, two great choices because Burris, you know, being a former quarterback, he obviously has plenty of intelligence. So, you know, you, you, you'd you think he could mesh with coaching right away. And one thing that always stuck out about Timu, you know, he wasn't the most athletic guy. He wasn't the biggest guy, but man, he was really smart. You know, he had some instinctive plays when he had, whenever he got on the field with the bears and it really stuck out. So the fact that he moved into coaching was not a huge surprise to me. And the fact that the Bears gave both of these guys opportunities, you know, to sort of get their feet wet in the in the NFL as coaches. It doesn't surprise me. It's a great move. I think, you know, maybe it'll lead to something else with the team itself. But Nagy came from the Andy Reed camp. Don't forget, and Andy Reid has been notorious for doing this sort of stuff forever. You know, he loves give, giving young coaches who are trying to make their way in the league opportunities. He did that exact thing with Nagy, and look where Nagy ended up. So. Doing that sort of thing can be highly beneficial to your coaching staff, not not only in the short term, but in the long term as well. So, you know, I think it was a great decision.
1: So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, Henry's uh, career with the Bears. He spent one season with the Bears back in 2002. He appeared in six games. He actually started one of those games, and he had 207 yards passing with three touchdowns and five interceptions. That was his career as a bears quarterback. But you know he uh, you know he went to, he went to Temple. Uh, he became a superstar in the Canadian Football League. He won three Great Cup championships, and I, I was kind of in jest saying Hall of Fame. Uh, so he he won three Great Cup championships. He was the Great Cup MVP winner twice. He was the league most outstanding player. I guess is they're uh, they're comparable to our MVP, and he was voted to the CFL Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. So uh, you know if 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 and guys, I lived through the Baris, the 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 Henry Burris era, and he was horrific. Uh, <laughs> and if he can turn his career around, so can Mitch. well you know you always
2: love the optimism and if you believe, believe in yourself enough you know you can always find a niche somewhere you look at what Nagy did He ended up going to the arena league and he had himself a strong career. Burris went to the CFL, you know, Mitch is more than talented enough to turn it around. It's just a question of will the light eventually go on? So, you know, I haven't lost complete faith in Mitch yet, but you know, I I need to see it. This is the year. This is his last shot. So, you know, it's do or die. And, you know, he's putting in the work to make sure he does. Aaron, you still around
1: there? Yes, sir. (laughs) Talk to us, my friend. Uh, about about Mitch or, or about Henry Burris or
0: I mean Burris I think, or, or Timo or Timo was a bright spot in one of the worst linebacking cores of the last 20 years um, you know he's out there with Christian Jones and um, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, some pretty bad defenses, um, you know, it, it, he was a guy it's that pretty bad he, at being kind. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> by bare standards, like just brutal, but, um, so, you know, that's good to see. I mean, I'm glad they're doing that, doing that stuff. Um, we'll see what it all means. I mean, I'm not really sure how all that Bill Walsh, uh, coaching, uh, you know, camp works out but it obviously is is designed to get more um minority and uh you know position coaches uh into place that will eventually become head coaches um which is something that the league you know clearly has a problem with so uh the running rules not getting it done so that's good um you know and as far as as mitch goes i mean you know we'll see i mean at this point i I'm happy if if I don't care who's under center. I kind of really end up thinking it's going to be both. I don't think either one of them's going to start 16 games for this team, so we're going to need both of them to play well. I I just hope that you know by hook or by crook that somehow this team can score 24 points a game, and and we should be good if that happens. Uh, It it just it's going to be another season where. You know we we're going to be depending on the defense so to me i i am much more concerned with the offensive line becoming viable and the running game working and then whichever one of them starts at quarterback i mean it's i don't think there's an enormous difference between the two i just think foals what he brings to the table is he's going to have a, he's going to threaten a defense with a deep ball. And I don't believe Mitch threatens any defenses with deep passes, even though he had that little streak or that little stats, ink stat that we love to trot around last in 2018. But other than that, he doesn't scare any defenses. And, but I think if Foles ends up starting, he's also going to be, you know, he, he's kind of quarterback. That's probably going to throw a couple picks a game too. So, I mean, I, I, you know, at this point, I think we have two backups and one of them needs to get hot, basically. Um, So we'll see what happens. I think both of them are capable of getting hot. Foles has gotten hot enough to win the Super Bowl and MVP and have a statue outside of another stadium. So, you know, that's a thing. You know, he was on another podcast this past week sounding pretty confident and talking about, you know, his trust level with with Nagy and. And, and different things. So, you know, I, I think he comes in feeling very confident to be able to to come in and, and uh, you know, compete for the job. Um, so we'll just see how it plays out. The one thing I will say is I don't think we're going to get our appetite for who's winning stated at all. I think they're going to keep it pretty close to the vest because they have no reason to let Matt, Patricia, and the Lions know who's going to start until the very last second, right? I mean, why would they? Yeah,
1: that's a- that's a great point, Aaron. That's a that's a great point. Then they they don't have to, they don't have to show their cards at all until uh, in, in, until uh, the offense takes the, the field for their first step, snap in Detroit on the second Sunday of September. All right. uh, last thing, Eric. Uh, and this is uh, it, it affects the Bears uh, tangentially, but um, Aaron Rodgers was on. Uh, on NFL Network, and they, I don't know if the interview was actually on Good Morning Football, but they replayed it on Good Morning Football, and he basically said, you know, they, they love this guy, the quarterback that they draft. They drafted, they moved up to get him in the draft. Um, they they love the guy. They I I expect them to play. This is Rodgers saying. And he says, "I would, I firmly believe that uh, I will finish my career in another uniform." Any thoughts on that?
2: Uh, it, it doesn't surprise me. Rogers is a smart guy. He he knows the business. He lived through it. Don't forget, they did it to Brett Favre when he was the young buck coming in. So. He's seen this story before. He probably was in a little bit of denial earlier in his career, like they'll never do that to me. But you know, oh yes, they will. <laughs> so yeah. you know, well, the, well, the, fact, but he, the fact. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, uh, but, the but, fact but, of the matter here's, is. Here's, go, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, the fact of the matter is, you know. They traded up to get him. We all know that, and they clearly like him. And typically, with rookie contracts, you need your guy to start playing within two years because then the fifth year option and the second contract is going to become a factor, you know, pretty fast. So they need to see whether or not they have something in this in this guy. And if they wait too long, they might screw themselves in the end. You know, with that sort of thing, so they're going to have to make a decision probably in around twenty twenty two on whether or not they need to move on from Rogers. And you know he can see that writing on the wall.
1: Here's where there's a big difference between the far Rogers transition and the Aaron Rodgers transition to their new guy is Green Bay didn't did they he they didn't move up in the draft to get him. Rogers, you know, there was. A lot of talk that that Aaron Rodgers was going to be the first overall pick that ended ended up being Alex Smith to the San Francisco 49ers, uh, and he, he fell. And the only reason they they drafted him because a he was there, and b Brett Favre himself kind of uh, you know made it a necessity because you know for several years I don't know if I'm going to come back. I mean, there, there were two or three or four years where Favre was, I don't know if I'm going to, uh, I don't know. And he basically, you know, held held Green Bay for ransom while he decided whether or not he was going to come back to the team until they finally just said, enough's enough, it's time to move on. And, uh, of course, you know, the last pass he ever threw in a Green Bay uniform got intercepted, <laughs> and then, you know, that was the uh, 2007 NFC Championship game against the Giants, and and the, he threw an interception in overtime. The Giants came down and scored, and that was the end of his career in Green Bay. Uh, and then, of course, uh, here here's a trivia question for you, Eric. Who who ended Brett Favre's career?
2: I believe that was uh, Corey Wooten, wasn't it?
1: Yes, it was. Yep, he he sacked him up in Minnesota when they were playing at the. Uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers home stadium, while while the new uh, stadium was being built and the old stadium in was an being ice storm torn, torn down. <laughs> oh, have, and of course it was a record-setting game for, for our own very own Devin Hester. So uh, a lot a lot of interesting stuff. So there's a big difference between what the Packers did to, when they got Rodgers versus what they did to Rodgers by getting Jordan Love because they actually traded up to get him. And, and as you so well pointed out earlier in the show, they didn't do anything to help Rodgers with any, any talent. Uh, on Well, they, they did draft a, a backup running back, where they already have two. <laughs> um, so so they, they didn't do anything to help Aaron Rodgers at all this year. So, um, you know, is, is the handwriting on the wall? You be the judge.
0: Well, he pretty much said it. I mean, he was on the that Ringer podcast with Kyle Brant, and he brought he he laid out in great detail just everything you were talking about about the Favre situation, basically dispelling this idea that there was any parallel between the two, you know, and, and talking about how he understands because now young quarterbacks don't sit, and obviously. Um, you know, if, you did what, if they did what they did to pick Love, they, they're going to have to play him. The problem the Packers have is that his contract is a is a disaster for them. I mean, even mm-hmm. if they trade him, in I believe the the most realistic time they can get rid of him and save any decent amount of money is 2022, and yeah. and they still are going to be on the hook for a huge amount of money. It may not be a huge amount of money at that point, but the way the salary cap is is receiving right now and and with the outlook of things I mean he's they're gonna have to try to trade him sooner rather than later you know and I would and I don't know how much there was of the McCarthy um you know uh, issues but I would keep an eye on Dallas because Jerry Jones is just the type of person that's crazy enough to try to to try to get Aaron Rodgers in there, especially with Dak, basically on a one year deal or two, you know, one plus a franchise or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know if, you know, if, if Aaron Rodgers would want to go play for McCarthy again, but anybody that thinks that Rodgers would ever end up on the bears. I mean, there's just no way. I mean, he, Kyle <laughs> even asked him about that, but the bears, the, the Packers would never trade him to the bears. <laughs> like, Like I just could never see that happening.
1: You're absolutely right. But now, of course, Dak Prescott is in the news saying he might become a Bear after this year, so God only knows. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, it's, well, how many how many quarterbacks this offseason were linked to the Bears? Just think about well, that for ready. a minute. <laughs> you know, you're, you're absolutely right. We've been visiting with Eric Lambert from sportsmockery.com. You can find him at Eric Lambert 1 uh, uh on Twitter and of course you can find his articles on sportsmockery.com uh what's coming up uh on sports mockery we need to look out for Eric
2: well, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you know, training camp stuff that's going to be coming out in the coming days. Obviously, you got to keep your eye on possible more opt-outs, which is going to be a really big factor for this team, especially after they lost Eddie. So, you know, that's all the stuff you need to keep an eye out for. And I'm also dabbling in in some, you know, Bulls-related stuff from time to time. So if you have any Bulls fans out there, you can watch out for that as well.
1: Awesome. Eric, it's always a pleasure to have you on our show. Uh, don't be a stranger. It was way too long for you to be on the show since the last <laughs> time, and we really, we really appreciate uh, anytime you can come on. And uh, if you have something breaking that you want to share, uh, give us either give Aaron a shout out or me a shout out. Um, instant message us, and we'll get you on right away. I
2: appreciate that, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh,
1: Thank all you, right. sir. That was Eric sure, Lambert from Sports. Thanks, thanks so much, Eric. Eric Lambert from too, Alrighty, take care. Uh, we're going to take a pause uh, and get into the second half of our, our show. Uh, we always we try to always do a history segment, and one of the things we've been talking about uh, off and on throughout the the spring and summer are all of the bears whose numbers have been retired by the organization. We're down to the last one, and we'll go over that after a message from TickSplits.com. I just heard my
0: favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Who? Tick They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to T I X B L I T Z dot com today. TickSplits dot com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits dot com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere.
1: TixBlitz.com, yes, you can still buy tickets. Uh, In fact, uh, as far as concerts, uh, this just came through. Boz Skaggs uh, just uh, rearranged his schedule, and and all of his concerts that were scheduled in 2020 have been rescheduled for 2021. Uh, More and more tickets will become available uh, as uh, the sporting events open up. Uh, To give you an example, the Chicago Bears canceled all of the season tickets, uh, and they're going to only be doing single-game tickets. They are going to uh, open it up only to uh, uh, PSL ticket holders get first priority, then season ticket holders get second priority. They still haven't announced how many tickets will be available for each game. But you can bet that those tickets will end up in third-party websites like TickSplit and like the other uh, companies that are out there. Uh, But don't waste your money with service fees uh, and save some money in addition to no service fees by using TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, all caps, and save 5% on any tickets at TickSplits.com. Aaron, uh, great uh, great conversation with with Eric. Uh, a lot to look forward to in the coming week with the opening of camps.
0: Yeah, I mean it sounds like the Bears has got got things together. Um, I think we've we've come a long way from uh, where we were wondering and sort of uh, you know full of conjecture and worry about whether uh things were going to come together and and you know it seems like they are um the the, the most of the press or at least a third of that to maybe more was the uh the point person for all the protocols uh, andre tucker so he was he was very good and they really are you know uh doing some state-of-the-art things with um, contact tracing and uh, you know they talked about using this uh, the lab that they're using in Minnesota and uh, different things so I mean I think they are going to put their best foot forward you know in, uh, in terms of what goes on at Hallis Hall but Pace was also uh, very uh, apt to say you know it's also going to be up to everybody else to continue this outside of the facility. You know, um, so that's that's going to be on the players. And I mean, after we saw, um, you know, when who knows how the Marlins got this, but then, you know, the 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 manager of the Marlins and the Phillies all just decided it was up to them to just to to decide whether to play or not. Uh, you see how quickly, uh, you know, this house of cards can fall down. Um, so. Uh, you know, I, I definitely felt encouraged um, after today that that uh, that there's going to be a season that they're going to get things going and there's going to be some sort of semblance of a camp um, and they'll do their best. Uh, you know, and I, I just think I'm glad number one that they have this new facility and Pace mentioned that a lot that you know they they feel they have an advantage because of this this brand new large facility. They're going to be holding the full team meetings in the Walter Payton Center. Um, you know and they're you know they've they've just got a lot of different protocols in place so it seems like they've they've thought of everything so that's
1: good well let's let's hope that the players see it that way and eddie goldman is the only one to to opt out uh there you know there were actually some rumors uh in bear's twitter that that foals was going to opt out but that was quickly uh quashed uh, uh about a day later so we'll see. You know, we're we're hoping we're going to stay mm-hmm. cautiously optimistic. You know, you know, baseball aside from the Marlins uh, has gotten off to a pretty decent start. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in 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 Chicago, you know, uh, you got a first place team in Chicago, so that's mm-hmm. nice. Right. Uh, and then and then you've got the on the other side of town, you got a team that uh, needs to find its identity with all the the youth. That's on the White Sox. The, the Cubs veterans are kind of instilling that that enthusiasm that uh, you usually get from crowds, uh, and I don't think that the the White Sox have been able to tap into developing their own enthusiasm from within, and they've struggled. Uh, so hopefully that'll that'll change. But you know, it's not like they started 0 and 8. They're only 2 and 4. So uh, it'll be interesting to see as as time moves on. If, the hardest part these... for the,
0: the White Sox is that they're just they they they're down. They've been they've given up like 15 runs in the first inning, uh, over the you know over these games. So that's the problem. It's like they're down before they even get up to bat half the time. So that's been the that's been the problem. It's like even when they've um, you know ended up scoring runs, it's like they're they're playing from behind. Uh, the entire game. So I think that's what's been hard um, to at least tonight. G finally had a, had a, a, you know, a good outing um, and they were able to, you know, eventually get some runs over on, I don't know if it's that, that, that pitcher that was pitching for the Indians, is he Dan Plesak's son or is he is his nephew? I know he's related. Yeah. yeah that, he, kid, he, that kid, that kid, man, they, they, the Indians like don't
1: even need him. And he was, he was dealing he was, he was, yeah, he was firing lasers. That's for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting to go back and see the replays of that game, but yeah. uh, I digress. We need to move on because right. we're going to talk about the one and only Michael Keller Ditchko, which is his God given name when he was born in 1939 in Pennsylvania in, a, in an iron town called Carnegie uh, They actually, the the family changed their name because it was just so damn hard to pronounce. So they ended up changing their name to Ditka and uh, the rest is history. So Mike Ditka uh, went to uh, Aliquippa High School. Uh, He was a multi-sport athlete. Uh, So uh, what can you tell me about Mike Ditka, Mr. Aaron? Uh, I mean, certainly he, you know, he's
0: uh, the the best tight end in Bears history. Kind of credited with, uh, you know, sort of inventing the modern tight end position, uh, or at least you know, Hallis and him sort of invented it. Um, you know, he, he's 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 a character. You know, he's a larger than life character. I mean, I think. Uh, that's, that's how I remember him. I don't really remember him as a player at all. I remember him as the coach of the 85 bears. Um, and you know, he's, he's, uh, he's just larger than life. His character is larger than life. You know, everything, um, you know, about the bears and the SNL sketch is sort of based on that, that legend of him. Um, but I think he has a complicated legacy, you know, in terms of, you know, there's a lot of people that, that didn't. That 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 were upset with him over, uh, you know, thinking that he kept Walter from scoring in the in the Super Bowl, and you know, supposedly, uh, people say that he was the, he, uh, you know, the the winner of the first prop bet because he let Perry score, you know, the touchdown. I mean, so he's got a complicated legacy. I mean, I think a, 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 his persona is something that Bears fans love and this caricature of him is something that bears fans love but but the person is a little more complicated but as a player i mean he he has an untouchable legacy i mean as a player he was he was you know uh, amazing uh you know as a coach and as a you know as whatever else it's a little more complicated um but you know if, if in terms of being a player you know you really can't He's beyond reproach uh, when it comes to that.
1: You're, you're absolutely right. Um, when he was at Al Quipa High School in, in Pennsylvania, uh, um, he was recruited by Notre Dame, Penn State, and the University of Pittsburgh, and he opted to go to Pitt. And he actually wanted to become a dentist. Uh, but uh, obviously, those plans went awry when he got, became, you know, s- such a, a, an amazing player as, as a tight end. Uh, he was a three-sport athlete because he also played baseball and basketball while he was at Pitt. Uh, he started all three seasons. He led the team in receiving in each season. He And get this, he also was the punter on the team, which I'm sure nobody listening to this podcast knew before just now. He was the unanimous first team selection for the college football All-American team his senior year, and he was enshrined into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1986. Uh, Pitt retired his number 89 as well as the Bears. So the Bears drafted Ditka. Uh, he was the, the first round draft choice, but he was fifth overall. Uh, he was also drafted by, and this is this is at the beginning of the AFL-NFL wars. He was actually uh, drafted by the Houston Oilers, uh, drafted him eighth overall in the first round of the 1961 draft. But he signed with the Bears uh, because he 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 wanted to play in the NFL. He was just no no. No ifs, ands, or, or buts about it. Uh, he scored 12 touchdowns, which is the most was the most by a Bears rookie up until Gale Sayers came along in 1965. He uh, was named the NFL Rookie of the Year. He played uh, six years for the Bears. Uh, he run. He went to the Pro Bowl each year. Obviously, he played uh, on the 1963 championship. So a little little footnote in his career is in each of the last two championships the Bears played in that one was 1963 when he was a player and 1985 when he was a, a head coach for the Bears. Uh, he uh, he was traded to Philadelphia uh, for Jack and Cannon uh, because the the. Uh, he kind of ran into a little riff over money with George Halas. Go figure. And uh, <laughs> you know the the Bears organization has never lived down the the famous saying that uh, guy, uh labeled Halas when he said that. Uh, well, you know Halas throws nickels around like manhole covers. And you know that's a that's a, a sadly, you know that's a a misnomer that the the Bears still live with today because it's just absolutely not true. And we've seen it time and time again. Uh, he was actually then dealt to Dallas where, so Ditka played the championship for the Bears. He went to Dallas where he won a Super Bowl as a player. He won a Super Bowl as an assistant coach. And then he came to the Bears in 1982, he had written a letter to George Hallis uh, asking him to give him a shot. And after the Bears fired uh, Neil Armstrong after the 81 season, he picked up the phone, Hallis did, and called Ditka and took him up on his offer. And you know, Ditka was not shy, uh, and there were a lot of players on that team that were well-liked uh, not only in the locker room, but around uh, around the city. And he literally said, he said this, I'm going to make a lot of changes to this team, but I promise you those that, that stay, if you stick with me, I will get you to the Super Bowl in three years. Well, it wasn't three years, uh, but he did get him to the NFC title game in his third year as coach. So in 1982, I believe that was the strike-filled year, they only played nine games. Uh, They finished three and six, they went eight and eight his second year. They won 10, they went 10 and six in 1984. They went to Washington DC and upset uh, the Washington Redskins. And then they played in the NFC title game out in San Francisco where they got humiliated by San Francisco. Uh, and an interesting thing happened in that game because late in the game, when the when it was out of reach, the the 49ers put in an offensive lineman to block as a fullback, and Ditka remembered that, and that gave birth to the to the what became the legendary William Refrigerator Perry because not only did he put him into block, but he also gave him the ball. He also caught a touchdown pass against Green Bay in 1985. So uh, Ditko is uh, long on memory when, when it came to, to things like that. Uh, so it was uh, interesting. So let's go over as a player. He was a Super Bowl championship in Super Bowl six. He was an NFL champion in 1963 five-time Pro Bowl uh, in 1961 through 65, all as a member of the Bears. He was a first team All-Pro in 61 through 64, second team All-Pro in 65 and 66. NFL Rookie of the Year, NFL 75th Anniversary Team, NFL 100th Anniversary Team. He was a member of the 1960s All-Decades Team, he, of course, had the, his number retired uh, in in Chicago. Uh, he is one of, obviously, the 100 greatest Bears of all time. In his college career, he was an All-American in 1960. The Pittsburgh Panthers retired his 89. Uh, and as a head coach, he won the Super Bowl in, Super, in 1985. He also won coach of the year, not once, but twice as Bears head coach in 1985. He also won three years later in 1988, uh, when they again made it to the NFC title game, only to be beaten at home by San Francisco again. So NFL career statistics, he had 427 receptions for almost 5,900 yards. He had 43 touchdowns. As a tight end, and as you so well put earlier in this conversation, Aaron, he is credited with revamping or, or just revamping the tight end position because previous to that, the tight end position was basically an ex- another blocker. He was basically another tackle in the lineup, and they weren't used extensively in the passing game. And George Hallis saw that in Ditka brought it out. and you know he became legendary not only as a Chicago bear but as a tight end.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, and then he he went on and had a kind of an interesting uh, time with the Saints, um, famously traded away entire draft for Ricky Williams and. Uh, you know, uh, that was a Rocky, that was a Rocky thing. And then, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, sort of went, uh, came back into favor with the bears, um, you know, and, and, you know, has kind of, uh, I mean, he's, he's, I he said restaurants in Chicago and I think, I don't, I believe all the locations of Dickas have closed, but, um, They uh they you know, the one over on Rush was was very popular and then they opened up a a couple other locations. So he's been he's been successful um, you know, with his uh business ventures. I mean, what's he about eighty years old right now?
1: Something like that. Uh let's take a look. He was born in nineteen thirty nine, so yeah, he will be uh eighty one on October eighteenth.
0: Yeah. So, you know, he's uh, like I say, he's he's a controversial uh, figure to a lot of people. Unfortunately, you know, a couple of times over the last few years, he's he's come on on the wrong side of some social issues. And, you know, people I I just think he's 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 from a different time. I mean, you know, and he has a different mentality and I don't think he necessarily he doesn't. I think he means well, but he just comes from a different different era and, and he's always had a. You know, uh, a different mentality. Um, You know, but uh, I kind of I wish. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that that I wish people would stop forcing him to comment on stuff because I just think you know he's he's at this point he's old and it's it's like you know leave the guy be. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like let's not let's not uh, set him up. You know, uh, that's kind of how I feel like this last this last little controversy went was just like, what what, what do we got to bug this guy for about this? Like, you know, you, you know, he's not uh, like keeping a tab on, on, you know, all the different issues and, and everything. So it's like, you know, it's, it's just unfortunate, you know, when it just becomes another hot button issue for everybody. So, I mean, you know, he, he's, like I said, he's, he's larger than life. He's almost like butt kiss, you know, his, his, his persona and, you know, and his, his caricature and, and everything it, He's, it has its own life and I don't think it'll ever go away I mean everybody talked you know still talks about what a moment it was for Trubisky to wear the the, the sweater and the, the glasses and everything and you know and sort of sort of emulate that um, you know dickus. so you know it's a uh, is another one of these characters that the Bears have in in their history, which is just unlike any other team. You know, they have not only are there are there real life heroes, but there there are like superheroes in the in the Bears uh, history. Um, you know, and fictional and non fictional. So it's uh, it's it's never dull going back and looking at at all this.
1: Absolutely. And we we can't we can't sell Ditka short on that trade in 1999 when he traded with the Washington Redskins uh, to to move up to get Ricky Williams. Not only did he trade all of his draft choices in '99, he also gave Washington their first round draft choice in the year 2000. Uh, so. Uh, and then yeah, next thing you know, he's on the
0: cover of a magazine with Ricky Williams in a dress. So yeah, a wedding dress. <laughs>
1: right, a wedding dress. Right. You know? So that was was, a, uh, those were wild times. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was absolutely crazy. Um, Ditka finished his career with, uh, I think, 106 wins uh, as Bears head coach, which is second only to George Halas. And despite, you know, you know, George Halas coaching in it, you know, he coached for 40 years, but he never coached uh, in in a season more than 14 games. And that was only the last eight years of his coaching career, uh, because they didn't start the 14 game season until 1961, I believe. Before that, it was 12 games. And before that, it was 11 games. So, uh, and there's only one. I believe there's only one coach that has eclipsed his his rec, what was his record, and that was Don Shula, who recently died. Uh, you know, Ditka. Uh, you know, he he had three. He had three seasons as the New Orleans coach. He was six and ten, six and ten, uh, and we won't even talk about that 1999 season. Uh, I believe they only won three games that entire year. So uh, uh, just great yeah, had three and thirteen uh, and of course, last place in the back in the NFC West back in those days. Uh, and Dedka, you know, ironically, for as much uh, of his his bellyhood success with the Bears, he he only coached in twelve postseason games with Chicago. And he finished with a 500 record of six wins and six losses. Of course, the big year was in 1985 when they went three and zero and won the Super Bowl. Um, and that was that was a hell of a year. And Aaron, I, I, I have to tell you, I was in the stands for those two shutout games in 1985 when they beat the Giants 21 to nothing, and then they beat the, the Rams 24 to nothing to to make it to the Super Bowl. And it was such a fun atmosphere watching Mm -hmm. those games. And you just, I, I, the only, the first time I ever went to Platteville to watch the bears practice was prior to that 1985 season and the excitement around that team after what they did in the year before managing to go 10 and six. And for those of you that, that are too young to remember, um, um, you've you've seen you've seen the replays you've seen Walter Payton play quarterback and that was the year in 1984 he actually played quarterback in a, in a few series in one of the games later in the season they ended up winning that game but uh, that's how inept they were with injuries and and uh, and just a lack of talent uh, because of course um, Jim McMahon got injured, um, you know, that year, uh, he got injured in 85. Seems like Jim McMahon got injured every year. I don't think he ever played 16 full, full games as a quarterback in any season for the bears. So, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said legacy. And that's what coach Ditka left behind us in Chicago. He will be forever loved. Uh, even when the Bears finally win a, another Super Bowl, he will still have a a special place in the hearts of all Chicago Bears fans.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, synony- he's ultimately his 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 image and everything has just become synonymous with the team. So it's it's impossible to to separate the two. Uh, you know, even though you know, like I said, there's people that don't love him, but. Uh, you know, and people that blame him for Buddy Ryan leaving and this, that, and the other, yada, yada. But the, the 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 Ditka visage, you know, that you know has has become so indelible at this point that it's like it's almost separate from the actual person. You know, it's like it, it's like it's just it's like another. It's a, he's like another logo for the Bears. It's like a secondary logo. You know I mean you put the mustache and the glasses up and people know exactly what that is it's it's synonymous with the team so you know that's that's not ever gonna change
1: yeah but I loved his caricature on the uh, Ditka's restaurant logo Mm -hmm. of him Mm -hmm. just it just uh, it just catches his persona so well
0: yep exactly
1: well, that wraps up another edition of the Hall Show with my co host, Aaron Torricelli. I want to thank again Eric Lambert from sportsmockery.com. I want to thank our sponsor, TickSplits.com, uh, for uh, uh, being our sponsor ever since day one. And remember, tell all your friends to follow us on Twitter. It's at Halitech Hall. As soon as we get to 1,000 followers, we will be giving away two tickets to the 2021 bears home game against green bay with that aaron it's been a great show and uh we got a, we'll have a lot to talk about next week because we'll be getting into camp we've got conditioning we've got uh some some drills we'll see what's going on with the quarterback battle and of course uh, hopefully there will be no more positive tests for COVID. Uh, down, in, down in Lake Forest, but hopefully a lot of positive things to talk about coming out of camp.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. And thanks again uh, to Eric for coming on. Have a great week.